Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. All right, welcome in. This is Fantasy Baseball Today, Worryometer Wednesday. Who are we worried about? Matt Boyd? Maybe. Eloy Jimenez? Possibly. Dylan Cease? Probably. I am Chris Welsh, as always, apparently. I am with uh, Adam Azer. And Mr. Scott White, we did learn a couple things in the last episode, fellas, by the way. Altuve is back when I brought up the great question, the amazing question of Altuve versus Jose Ramirez. He hit his 21st on Tuesday. And he's got an RBI in five straight games, plus three homers now in the last five. We found out that I cannot say center hit percentage without stuttering 400 times. And we also learned that Adam Azer and Scott White have never seen the jerk. And that is mind-boggling, fellas. <laughs> That was a pretty good intro. He's like, what do I do for my intro? How do I do my yeah. he nail? He absolutely crushed that intro. I Much better than Adam's intro. Much better. Although he gave all, he gave all the takes already. I mean, that's that's true. True. I, I understand it was in tease form, but whatever. You basically summed it up. We don't need to talk about boys. Show's over. Good night, everybody. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good thing we did the four hours of prep. Good night, everybody. Um, welcome in. I am Chris Welsh. Yes, you are hearing things correctly. I assume you have been dialed in every single episode. We would always assume that. But if not, uh, Chris Welsh here to uh, help assist you through with the wonderful Scott White and, of course, Adam Azer. And people are still probably a little bit jolted, but everybody was very kind on the Internet. And I want to thank everybody about that. Let's get right into the show then. Chris Sale at the top on Tuesday, guys, went six and two thirds. He struck out 12. And I got this great stat from our buddy Ryan Spader at the Ace of Spader. Chris Sale strikes out the 6,527th batter he's ever faced for his 2,000th career strikeout. That is the fewest batters faced in baseball history to reach 2,000 strikeouts. Do we still love Chris Sale as a top, 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 top pitcher for 2020? Well, I still do. I mean, the most recent, uh, I, I usually like quarterly project the first two rounds for the next season. And so the most recent of those was around the all-star break. And I actually had him as a first rounder since then. That was before his most recent uh, stumble. But, you know, now he has 25 strikeouts in his past two starts. One of them was awesome. This one was, I think, awesome in most of the traditional ways we look at it. He uh, did allow five runs, two of them unearned. But even so, it, it helped prevent him from getting a win, which has been part of what uh, part of what fantasy owners have been. What, part of the reason why they've been dissatisfied. Like, I, I feel like if Chris Sale's numbers were exactly the same, but his win-loss record was inverse, there would be far fewer complaints about the way he's performed this year. Uh, no. He, I mean, he's, his ERA is what? Four, it was 440 coming into the start? It's, yeah. No, it's 440 now. Um, yeah. Like, but he, he he's got too many bad starts. Strikeouts. Too many bad starts. Eight. But, but this is what happens when a guy he has gives a up. Whip. If when he a, had an eleven and six record to go along with it, nobody. But would he wouldn't have. But ERA you don't have an eleven and six record when you have a four forty ERA. This is what I was talking about with Chris Archer. You know, it was like he doesn't have bad win loss record luck. He doesn't have bad record luck. He has a bad ERA. 
that's contributing to a bad record. That's what's happening with Chris Sale. He's you're, not, he's you're not unlucky. You're my hypothetical scenario, Adam. Yeah, but that, that's uh, but but for 2020, yeah, like there's a lot of really encouraging signs for Chris Sale. But this has been kind of a hellish year for him, and a fantasy owners should be frustrated. This start was was good, not great. I think five runs sucks. Three earned runs. It was still a quality start. Two walks, 12 strikeouts. Can't really complain. I was a little surprised. Two home runs. But just overall, like, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty optimistic about him. And Scott and I say it all the time. We defend him all the time because when Chris Sale is good, he's like six to eight shutout innings with 13 strikeouts. He's amazing. But I can't run away from a 440 ERA. And the fact that he has uh, six wins, it's pretty bad. Consistency has been a big problem. He gets destroyed second time through the order. I think it's like a six-plus ERA where the first and third time through, he tends to rock. What if I paired you against this? This is some other big news, big-ish news. But Garrett Cole was scratched from his start on Tuesday before it even started. I think he was out on the mound. He walked back into the dugout, and then Chris Davinsky came in, and it was due to a hamstring issue. I don't know what necessarily what you take you know, too much forward with Garrett Cole unless you get some horrible news, which we're going to have to find out here shortly. But Garrett Cole versus Chris Sale in 2020, is the gap close? Is one much so much further? I mean, Chris Sale was obviously the guy coming into this season, but I know he's pared down a little bit. What do you think, Adam? Cole, I'll take, but it's close. I, I really do like Chris Sale. Interested to see how he finishes the season because he's always been a little worse in August and September. Those are his worst months. And... You know, not necessarily bad, but by his standards, they're disappointing. But they went through this whole trouble in spring training to keep him fresh for the end of the year. So I'm interested to see how Sale finishes. If he doesn't finish strong, everyone's going to take Eric Cole over Chris Sale. And I think they might do it anyway. But uh, it won't be super close if Sale struggles toward the end. But as of now, I, I would take I would take Cole over Sale. What say you, Scott? I would, too. I, I on my top three would probably be Scherzer, Cole, and Sale. Um, yeah, and then I, I guess Degrom would be fourth, and probably Shane Bieber would factor into the mix soon after that. Where's Verlander Thailander? would probably fall just because of age. Okay, all right. Like there you go. he's gonna be what thirty eight next year. I mean, you're 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 obviously playing with fire every time you draft him from now on. Yeah, and that's it. Okay, uh, that's it. That's it. Yeah, sure. If that's the main problem, then we now know. Um, performance of the night, I've got for you. But Adam, who are we sponsored by today? SeatGeek is sponsoring us today. SeatGeek sponsors us quite often, and we appreciate SeatGeek. If you want ten bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase, you need to go to a game, concert, comedy. What's the next event you're going to? The Welsh. <laughs> I have two children. The, ne- the last event I went to, I'm pretty sure, was Disney on Ice <laughs> five years ago. Well, you could have gotten tickets on SeatGeek. You think so? Uh, right. Disney on Ice would be on SeatGeek, and you could use the promo code FANTASY for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase, and you'll hear more about them later. Okay. As long as I get like a live Paw Patrol event, like I'm in. I'm in. Have you dug into Paw Patrol, Laser? Rubble on yet? the double um, from my nephew when he was younger, but no. We, no TV uh, yet for the, for the one-year-old. No. There is... There's no a great tweet time. going out right now that everyone should look for. It, there's this guy who broke down all the assignments of the Paw Patrol characters, and he was able to discover the two just brutally unutilized Paw Patrol characters that are being out there. And he's making his agenda for this to get fixed because, uh, spoiler alert, Chase is clearly the number one used. And you know that, right, Scott? You're a big Paw well, Patrol Well, yeah, guy. and I assume Marshall. I, I actually would have assumed Marshall was the number one used. But uh, I, I, I'm going to guess Rubble. And Zuma are underused. 
No, no, Zuma. Uh, no, yes, I'm sorry. Zuma was the least used. Yeah. Number That's two my son's was favorite. Like who's whose favorite is Zuma? Well, your sons. I don't know. I don't know who else. But maybe it's Jose Quintana because that was the performance of the night where I was going. Maybe Jose Quintana is a Zuma uh, stan. Fourteen strikeouts in six innings. Mr. Scott White is Jose Quintana back, or is it just simply, hey, this is a great performance for Jose Quintana because I think the last couple have been decent. Yeah, he has three quality starts in a row, um, and the the previous one was seven innings, two hits, seven strikeouts. I mean, 14 strikeouts from Jose Quintana. That's not back. Like even at his in his glory years, Quintana was less than a K per. Uh, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I, I feel like that's completely out of nowhere. He had this 11 strikeout game back in April, also, and then nothing came of that. I, I, I that's just kind of random noise, and I, I can't really find any meaning there. I mean, he's a he's an okay pitcher for a good team, and that makes him usable more often than not. But he's not going to be the reason you win your league. He's this. He's going to have a, a horrible start here sooner than later because that's what happens to all these pitchers who aren't elite bat missers, and even sometimes those too in this environment. So I, I wouldn't get too comfortable just you know locking him into your lineup. Adam, next start out against Pittsburgh. He is 93% owned in CBS right now. Any other notes on uh, Quintana? Yeah, at Pittsburgh, you're going to start him. You know, 93% owned probably was pretty close to that before this week, but this is a two-start week for him. The following week against Washington, yeah, I think he's a, he's a, an okay start in a one-start week. I, I think Jose Quintana is a, man, he fits this category that's just like, Kind of like Joe Musgrovey. I forgot who else Scott said this about. You don't know what to expect from start to start. They're too good to drop. They're not must starts in a one start week. But you're just like if Jose Quintana were on waivers, I'd pick him up. Um, you know, since he got rocked like eight starts ago, gave up I think eight runs. Since then, going into tonight, his last seven starts, he had a three sixty seven ERA. I think that's probably like a. Good, not necessarily best case, but a good case scenario for Quintana, 370-ish ERA. Um, and, you know, hopefully some quality starts and some wins. He's solid. Just falls short of must-start in a one-start week. But, so he's must-own, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, burning through, Juan Soto is back. If anybody was concerned, he also hit a homer, 25th homer of the year. That is a very big positive. Here's a couple closer notes I want to get on you guys, and I think these are both very important. Jose Alvarado, who is only 25% owned in CBS, returned from the IL. His last save was July 1st. Emilio Pagan, who I know you guys were talking about last week, he's got set, he's got eight saves since Alvarado went on the IL, including three straight. Pagan is 57% owned right now. Scott White, Alvarado or Pagan? Because Alvarado may be put back in some of those high-leverage situations. Who would you put your bet on? I would put my bet on Pagan, but I would put my bet on committee ultimately because that's how the way the Rays have wanted to do things. I'm hoping Pagan has earned a little more trust than he had previously. And uh, the fact that the only other lefty in the Rays bullpen is is Colin uh, it's Pop, Pochet, right? Colin, Pochet. Pochet. Colin yeah. Pochet. Yeah, who's, you know, he, he has some skills, but... You know, he's he's also had some horrible innings in terms of giving up home runs and I don't think is super trustworthy. Um, 
So I'm hopeful that also helps Pagan's case. But I'm, I'm worried that falls back into a committee lefty-righty thing there between those two. Adam, would you go Alvarado? I would no. I would go Pagan, but I think the easy, the different question now is Pagan or a guy like Jose Leclerc. And if Scott really thinks it's going to be a committee, then you got to go with a guy like Jose Leclerc or Scott Oberg, guys who are not in committees. I'm not 100 percent convinced because it's been a long layoff for Jose Alvarado. Yeah. So I think he's got to prove it first. I seriously doubt he's going to get the first crack at a save, but I certainly see. You know, if I if I had a, a lot riding on Emilio Pagan, I'd be a little nervous right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it comes down to like if you're in a league where you have you can make that choice, like you're it's it's not so deep that all the uh, guys who are in line for saves or at least part of a sharing shared situation there uh, aren't already owned, then I, I feel like I feel like Pagan's the higher upside choice. He's the better team. The ratios have certainly been better than Leclerc's this year. So I, I would stick with him over, as opposed to picking up Leclerc. But um, I was hoping one of you were going to say Alvarado, but I, I can do my song here where it's Alvarado, why don't you get some safe chances? Nice. Nice. And, you know, it's been pretty, out saves. pretty high, pretty saves. high pitch there, Scott. He went, really went for it. You know? I was trying. He, he, he it, was, it wasn't the best. He could I sing. With most song references, I have no idea what he was doing. Oh, no it was Desperado, Desperado by the Eagles. Get come on, Scott. <laughs> I, you're just you're just doing a bit now. No, no, I, no I, it's it's not. It's sad. Music, it's sad. I am a it's music no illiterate. Desperado. All right, uh, all right. We got to move on here. Sean Doolittle. He has uh, been feeling some fatigue. Daniel Hudson got the save. Only thing I'm curious about. This was on Tuesday. He, uh, Daniel Hudson got the save. Only thing I'm curious about is. Is the Sean Doolittle fatigue enough for you guys to be worried to be out um, out chasing? I was doing Alvarado song there, out chasing saves. Would you go out and try to chase some saves, just pure fab throws at just anything because you might miss out on some opportunities? I know it's kind of a broad-based question. Are you worried enough about Sean Doolittle that you might need to take some preemptive action, Scott? In terms of him losing his job, I'm not really, no. Um I, I don't think, even with some of the moves they made at the trade deadline to bolster their bullpen, there's not really another closer caliber pitcher there. And, I mean, in, in the spectrum of all relievers getting saves right now, I feel like Doolittle's still in the upper half. Like, there's basically 12 good closers in baseball right now, and that's counting two that aren't healthy right now, Kimbrell and Ken Giles. So, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's 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 not like uh, it's not like Doolittle is bad when you really break it down. And it's not a cut thing. It's just about like you know, are you worried, man? You're going to start missing out. Maybe there's one or two less opportunities that come every week or two. Adam, I mean, is there any? You know, we're talking about Leclerc. Leclerc, obviously, if you can go make a pickup. Are you just a little bit more maybe apprehensive about your save position and maybe spend a little bit more or go a little bit higher on the waiver wire on any possible closer out there? Or is this, hey, don't worry, give him a couple weeks and Doolittle will be okay. I mean, I think it could be just give him another day and he could be fine. It's not like they're putting him on the IL. Just he had pitched a lot recently and he said he's running out of gas. Remember, this is a guy who has an extensive injury history and doesn't, you know, hasn't had like a, a big workload. So I guess I'd be a little nervous about it. I mean, I wouldn't mind picking up Brandon Workman. I know he blew a save today. Mark yeah. Melanson did get the save for the Braves. He pitched an inning. He struck out two against the Mets. Mm-hmm. Um, so and those Shane are some Green options. pitched the seventh and... Didn't Part do of the well. Gave up the run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. non-save situation. Blah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. How about some yeah. standouts? You guys got any other standouts? Wait, you Let's know what? You, Adam. The Welsh, actually, um, before we get to the standouts, there's a segment that I forgot to tell you about. Um, the welcome back segment that we should do. Uh, we should do it now because it's a fun segment. And uh, yeah, I got to teach you how the welcome back segment goes. Although my is inter- there a song? Is it like there's the a song? Welcome back. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. But I've got to fix my internet. So let's actually do standouts first, and then we'll do welcome back. So I apologize. Okay. For that. So we're not gonna go to welcome back. Not Connor. yet. We'll go to the standouts. Okay. Well, I'm gonna ask you then. Um, even though I know you're working on that, you got a standout or two for us, Adam? Well, other than Quintana, yeah, like. We got to look at the in-progress games, right? We're, we start recording around 11.15, 11.30 Eastern. But one of the in-progress games, I'm just extremely disappointed in uh, Brendan McKay. Now, it looks like he may have rebounded a little bit. He gave up four runs in the first inning and three scoreless since then with seven strikeouts, but six walks. Um, I'm really disappointed. Yeah, so right now his line at the end of four innings is four innings, five hits, four runs, six walks, and seven strikeouts. Mm. I am encouraged. I think the strikeouts have been up and pretty good two games in a row. I mean, the Padres strikeouts. It's actually three games in a row against the Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Padres. The walks are crazy. He had walked three guys in his first six appearances. So that's just weird. But I don't know. Four runs in the first inning. Sometimes a guy has a terrible inning. He rebounds, and you can become away kind of encouraged. Maybe that'll happen when this when his night is said and done. I don't know how long he's going to go. But I just like, you have not been rewarded for starting Brendan McKay really since uh, his third Ever? start. Now, yeah, no, his first start, he almost threw a, a, like a, he had like a perfect game going through six. Yeah, yeah. His third start, five scoreless, seven strikeouts against the Orioles. But... That, that's it. Now, four starts in a row, you really haven't been rewarded for starting. Okay, so I, I'm disappointed. Yeah, I, I buy that one. Scott, what about you? Any uh, well, standouts? Well, I, I actually or... would like to know for both of you how you feel about McKay. And because, you know, because you, Chris, have seen a lot of him in the minors. And if we should hang on to him right now or if he's droppable. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, he was a guy that I had actually picked. Actually, when I did a hit for you guys uh, over on uh, HQ. I had picked Brendan McKay as a second-half guy because the team was committed, and that was a big, important thing to me. He's always been a strikeout guy. I've never been overly impressed with the full combination of his stuff. Sometimes, to me, I like some people pick on Casey Mize. Like Casey Mize might be a guy that you know he's got some advanced stuff that's just absolutely fooling minor leaguers right now. But when he gets to the major league level, it may level out. That's kind of how I feel about Brendan McKay. But I was excited that they might use the the same minor league schedule where he, you know, has an off day pitches off day and then starts to hit that never happened. I like the combination of all of it. Usually with a guy like Brendan McKay, I would have stride straight away from if I wasn't getting maybe potential hitting stats. I like the strikeouts. I think he's going to be volatile. So if volatility is not your bag. I would probably move on from Brendan McKay because there's probably other options. Anything you uh, disagree with there, Scott? Well, I just wanted to point out, I, I wrote an article last night, 15, really the 15 pitchers um, of everybody who I feel like have innings concerns. And, uh, you know, we've made a big deal of Chris Paddock all year. But the guy who has is most has set a career high in innings this year by the most so far is actually Brendan McKay. Uh, so I would uh, I would be worried just from a shutdown perspective. And then beyond that, I mean, the fact he's never going six innings. I I don't think he's going to be a great asset for you rest of season. That's 
says nothing about his long-term value. That's obviously a different discussion. But I'm not really counting on him for much. Are you counting on anybody else after Tuesday? Anything stand out? Yeah, I was scanning the notes to see who we aren't going to talk about. Um, and talk about I, everybody. I want to point out <laughs> Nicholas Castellanos seems to be fixed now. The change of scenery, which so rarely actually amounts to anything, seems to have worked out in his case, in part because Joe, Madison, Joe Madden has extended him the courtesy of batting him second in front of Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. So in 12 games since joining the Cubs, he now has 13 runs scored, and runs was a category that was really suffering for him with the Tigers compared to previous years. He hit his fifth home run in 12 games with the Cubs as compared to 11 in you know two-thirds of a season with the Tigers. And the underlying numbers said he was mostly the same player he had been the previous two years despite the, the underwhelming numbers. So I, I think he's fine now. I think he's... I think he's going to be a fixture in lineups again. I think that's a really good one. All right, uh, Mr. Azer, we've got to go to break, but what do people need to be prepped for before we hit that break? Oh, well, welcome back. There's that. There's uh, hitters who are still hot. Like, uh, who was it today that were... Who, who's hot? Who's not? Oh, Gritchell uh, Hot. Gritchick, Teoscar Hernandez... Scott was like, I'm going to look through the notes and see who we're not going to talk about. And then he picked Nick Castellanos, you know, who we were going <laughs> to talk about. Literally who's on the list. Uh, Mitch, Garver uh, is, I, I Mitch Garver started three straight games. Jack Flaherty is on a ridiculous run. Um, and then we have the Worryometer as well. Okay. So uh, let's hit the break then and we'll be back and we'll hit all of that, especially that Worryometer. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Worryometer Wednesday. I think it's the thing that people get most excited about. Uh, you guys know I have a lot of crossover. And very, very nice people have been hitting me up. They're like, I only listen to ITL and CBS. We've always had a lot of crossover. And let me tell you, people love the Worryometer. So, Adam, no matter what happens, no matter who would be in this seat, the Worryometer could never go away. That is your staple. <laughs> it's the legacy of the podcast. I was bemoaning how Adam was like coaching you on the Worryometer before we started recording. It's we a, have, it's we a have to take step. all of Adam's stupid meters with us. Well, yeah, I mean, we can drop a couple meters, but ultimately we don't want to melt down. So we've got to keep one. So that's why we keep the worry. Scott, where would you put the worry? Where would you put the worryometer on the stupidometer? Uh, it's a it's a six. <laughs> Solid six. Okay. <laughs> all right. I I, uh, I submit this one to you guys. Dylan Cease, who is 50 percent owned in CBS leagues, went six, walked five, only <laughs> struck out two on Tuesday. Zero quality starts in his last seven. I found this great tweet from a buddy of mine, Lance Brozdowski. You guys can find on Twitter at Lance Broz. He says, is there something wrong with Dylan C's fastball? 90, 90th percent, uh, percentile average fastball velocity among qualified starting pitchers. Yes, very good. But pitch has below average vertical and horizontal movement for his velocity. Bottom 20% fan crafts pitch value. Below average whiff and swing and a 433 Woba 
is it too straight? Even uh, Buddy Eno kind of chimed in that that's something that's been known. So the stuff is off right now. Dylan Cease is a bit off. A lot of walks, strikeouts aren't there. How worried are we about Dylan Cease, Scott White? This year, I, I don't think he's going to have much value. I mean, we're talking now he's he's at more than a walk every other inning. Uh and that yeah, that's he's also has innings concern. He's one of the fifteen pitchers who show up in that column as you know, he's going to run into a workload issue here eventually. Uh, but I, I don't know that he's going to provide much value even between now and then as as far as whether or not his fastball is good enough to for him to make it in the majors. I I think it's too early to answer that. He was obviously a great strikeout pitcher in the minors, but I'm not seeing a lot here to keep him on my roster in he a kinda, redraft league. It kind of has a Patrick Corbinness to him where we need him to develop a third pitch and we need there to be a little bit more stuff going on yeah. there because he is a too big high pitcher. We just need more variety. He's only reached which, seven strikeouts once, by the way, which is not great for no. this type of a pitcher. It's not great. And, and, and that happens a lot. A pitcher gets called up and he's really leaning heavily on two pitchers pitches. And then, Hey, I, I just... I just had an amazing drop. What? For God's sake, just give me the damn number. This is the worryometer. <laughs> give me a damn number. He's a 15 on the worryometer. Just, just get rid of Dylan Cease already. A 15, a 15. on the worryometer. Of course, Adam is over the top. You got to be he strong. Got to give hot takes. Like People like he hot is, overreaction he's the takes. Hottest takers here. No, I'm serious. I, I would, I would drop him. He's 50 percent owned. I don't really see a reason to. First, first time giving a worryometer grade and it's 15. My goodness. Like Mitch Keller him. or Dylan Cease? Keller on the Kipo meter. Yeah. Keepo Keller. Yeah. yeah. Keller. Mystery box. The Atto meter for you, Adam, is Keller over Cease? The Atto meter? Uh, yeah, I'd go Keller. Yeah. Yeah. Addo meter. Um, all right. Number two, worryometer. Eloy Jimenez. Eloy Jimenez. One for four with a double and an RBI with a strikeout against Houston. 28-game stretch before going on the IL in July. He was at 265, 10 homers. Got some doubles in there, a 948 OPS, but 14 games since coming off of the IL, hitting 207, 20 strikeouts with two walks, one double, a 561 OPS. Adam Azer, where are you at on the worry-o-meter with Eloy? Worry-o-meter. Worry-o-meter. It's the worry-o-meter. Five for Eloy Jimenez. Because of the stretch that you mentioned with a 948 OPS in uh, 28 games before going on the IL, it just seemed like he was turning it around. It's mostly power. I I think he has 19 home runs in 82 games. So as bad of a year as he's having, he's on pace for almost 40 homers. Um, Look, he's been terrible since coming off the IL, but this happens. This happens with a lot of players. So, I mean, I can understand you're in your playoff drive. You need to make the playoffs or something like that. You can't afford to waste another week on Eloy Jimenez. I get it. You probably have to sit him in a shallower league. Yeah. You may have to drop him. But there was too much good. He was finally starting to erupt. And we're seeing what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is doing now. I don't want to give up on Eloy yet. So I'm going to say a five on the worryometer. What about you, Scott? I feel like there were some stronger indications that that there was a way... Vladimir Guerrero could redeem his rookie season than there is with Jimenez. I, I really don't care about Jimenez in a uh, 
a three outfielder league. It's, you know, he's we're talking like a nine on the worryometer. And and like the way he started his career reminds me an awful lot of Jorge Soler, where you know, if you remember, Jorge Soler's numbers in the minors, they were better than Chris Bryant's when they were, they were coming up at about the same time. Strikeout rate was really low. This guy's going to be a stud. And it took him five years to become a semi-stud, I guess, is what he is this year. Um, and I'm not saying it's going, Aloy Jimenez is going to go the same direction. I mean, look at how quickly things turned around for Rafael Devers this year. I'm just saying it's it's been a highly, highly disappointing season for what was probably the second most hyped rookie for fantasy purposes coming in. I don't think a lot of people would have thought that Jorge Soler would be worlds better than Eloy Jimenez coming into this season. Yeah. That would have been a shock to many people. Right. All right, next up on... The I was about to say the nope, uh, don't do the it. Wario meter, right? Yeah, no, no, it's the worryometer. It's the one thing I'm keeping. Wario See now, see now, it's in my head. You're in my head now, Adam. Wario-meter, like thermometer. Sorry. Yeah, thermometer. Matt Boyd gave up seven runs, four homers allowed against Seattle. He's got a four three eight ERA, thirty five walks, one hundred ninety two strikeouts, and thirty home runs allowed in one hundred and forty six innings this year. Where are we at on Matt Boyd? Adam. Five, four, four and a half. That size sounded like a seven. It's seven. Oh, well, if you if you have a size, if you need a size, I can bring one of those up for you. But it's seven home runs in his last two starts, I think now. Yeah. For Matt Boyd. And it's how many home runs on the year? 30. So so many. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just I, I feel like he's so his stuff is so good. His strikeout rate is incredible, but. You just, he's going to have some of these starts because of the home runs. So, four yeah, and a half. That, that's the thing. I mean, if if you're baking that into your assessment of Boyd and, and just understanding, I mean, he has, among qualifying pitchers, he has the, uh, I think, the third worst home um, ground ball to fly ball rate. So, like, he's he's going to give up home runs. At a time when everybody's giving up home runs, he's going to give up even more. But, I mean, how many times have we been in this position with a pitcher who we know is good, and I, I still feel like with the strikeout-to-walk ratio, we should know Boyd is good at this point. A couple bad starts, ERA suddenly in the mid-fours. It looks terrible. A- and then we, we quickly forget about it because he turns into who we know he could be again. That's happened so many times for so many pitchers this year, especially with kind of the, the random number generator effect that the home run explosion has created. And I think he's going to be fine in the long run. It's It'll more. Be it's to more. Watch Tampa Bay and Minnesota coming up. What were you saying, Adam? Yeah, no, it's a deeper funk than that for for Boyd. I mean, that's that's the problem. Since the beginning of June, last twelve starts going into today, he had a five fifty six ERA with nineteen homers and sixty eight innings. He had a pretty good stretch in there, but most of it's been bad. And he doesn't have any track record. He has a bad track record. So that's why I'm not. I'm not quite as convinced that he's going to turn it around and be this year's Patrick Corbin. Like I feel like I know he's going to strike people out. I just I worry that he's going to have a, a, a ERA over four going forward. All right, worryometer Daniel Murphy last six games entering Tuesday he was two for twenty three, zero extra base hits, zero walks, seven strikeouts. Previous twenty four games since the All Star break, three sixty nine. You got a bunch of doubles in there, an over one thousand OPS. Uh, 400 Babbitt, though. So, Scott White, Daniel Murphy, Worryometer, what uh, number range do we hit? I'll put it at like a five. And and the Worryometer comes in part because I worry about how to handle it. 
obviously second base, like every other infield spot, you got options. You know, you you probably probably Daniel Murphy's not the only startable second baseman on your roster, and um, I guess maybe you could do the home away thing with him, like we do for so many Rockies, uh, because. Yeah, I mean, he's got like a 900 OPS at home versus 700 on the road, and maybe that solves it. But I, I don't know. There has been a skills decline for Murphy. It, it, it wasn't just a slow start, and then he got hot, and he's fine. There, there's the He's not hitting the ball with the same authorities before. He's 34 years old. And there's a chance that like he's just, even with the Coors effect, he's not quite good enough in like a standard 12 team league to be one of those 12 starting second basemen. Adam, what about you? Yeah, it's disappointing. It's a big week for him because nothing but home games and I don't think he's done much so far. So, um, I don't really know exactly where I'm at with Daniel Murphy. Looked like after the all-star break, looked like he had turned a season around and finally started becoming what we thought. And now he's in, what was a two for 23 with no extra base hit slump going into today. Yeah. I uh, I look. I, I think some one of our emailers pointed out the the Rockies have nothing but full home or full road weeks going forward. It's either a week where all their games are at home or all their week our games are on the road. So it's very handy. Yeah, no, it is. In those weekly in those weekly lineup yeah. leagues, Chris, or are we calling you the Welsh? Adam well, keeps calling you the Welsh. Is please like call me what at, whatever. Do. Yeah, the, uh, I feel like the Welsh. Everyone's going to be like, "What are you like the edge? Like, what are you trying to be here? It's, <laughs> it's just a little it's something too hip. Yeah. Yeah. The Welshometer. Yeah, we yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, the Welshometer is what we should call you. Just Welshometer. Like, there yeah. you go. That's I can say that better than better than uh, the other one. All right, last one. Nick Senzel. He's hitting 200 in August with a 217 OBP and a 289 slugging. I don't think there's going to be any claim to vertigo causing this. It's just not good play. Scott White. Oriometer. Nick Senzel. Uh, I'll put him at about a a. Five also. Uh, he's not... He, he hasn't really done anything during this first taste of the big leagues to suggest he's a fixture in anybody's lineup or he should be. You know, the multi-eligibility makes it... So he's a fine starter. You know, he's not a zero for stolen bases. I'm not sure how those have been going recently, but he's not a zero yeah, for that. Yeah. And, and, you know, he, he's, he's a fine fill-in option if you don't have anybody better, but... Like I'm not counting on a late season surge or I'm, like I was for Vladimir Guerrero. I think, I think, uh, you know, I think he's just kind of a boring option right now. Adam, is he as boring uh, to you as he is to Scott? Ditto. It's yeah, he's pretty replaceable. Not like not terrible. If you have to start Nick Senzel, there are worse things. But if if there's somebody you really like on waivers and Senzel is one of the guys you're kind of wavering on keeping him, I think you can drop him. All right. Uh, I want to get to some news and injury when we come back from the break. But before we go to the break, Adam, you were teasing. Welcome back so hard. We've got to do the welcome back here. Otherwise, we'll never get to it. Do we have it? Yeah. But can you like. Welcome back. <laughs> wait, where? No, I don't have it. How do I not have it? Oh, wait. Here we go. So, yeah, a few guys, uh, the Welsh. You know, what are we going to say to Griffin Canning today? We're going to say, oh, went too far. Damn it, I screwed it up. <laughs> Your host timing is off. So bad, so off. Okay, yeah, welcome back. Who are you welcoming back? Yadier Molina. I have a good note on Yadier Molina. 
What do you got? Jose Alvarado and Griffin Canning, by the way. Those are our welcome back cotters for all of them. Yeah, you I, have a stat? Griffin Canning is like Nick Senzel to me. I, or the worse. I, I don't really have much interest in Griffin Canning. And no, he did not have a good start tonight. Um, Yadier Molina, absolutely pathetic slash line of 265, 294, 397. Uh, in in his first like through May 28th, that was when he first went on the IL. 265 slugged 397. That is, let's see, with the OBP, that's a 691 OPS. Pathetic. He was fifth in points, eighth in roto in catcher, because he led all catchers in at bats. He was yep. right at the top in plate appearances. He was there with like Real Muto and Grandal, and he had four steals for what that's worth. Um, so Molina's 76% owned his raw numbers, like his, his slash line would say he doesn't deserve to be, but the fact that they play him all the time, uh, makes him always more valuable in fantasy than he should be. So keep an eye on Yadier Molina. If he's owned, if he's unowned in your shallow leagues, I'm surprised the Cardinals haven't even committed to Andrew Kneisner either. So he's always a good bat in the minor leagues. I kind of dig him. All right, let's go to break. And we'll come back, and we've got a ton more to cover. So we'll be right back on Fantasy Baseball today. News, injury, and everything else in between. Craig Kimbrell through a bullpen session on Tuesday. The plan is again to go on Thursday. Then it could be activated this weekend. So uh, get excited. I thought this was interesting. A source told Royals Farm Report that the Kansas City uh, Royals had been working out a deal to send Ian Kennedy, Ian Kennedy to Atlanta before the deadline, but the Royals' ownership declined to pick up enough of Kennedy's contract. That would have been, I mean, I, I imagine they would be in heaven right now if they had Ian Kennedy and not the garbage that they're dealing with. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he wouldn't be blowing saves himself. There's I mean, no way. It's no. Ian Kennedy. What are you talking about, Scott? This is an interesting one. Jesus Lazardo is going to make his next appearance Thursday with AAA Las Vegas. I know Adam hates prospects, so I can't ask this, but uh, are you a believer that Lazardo could be a September ad for people that he could be up in the majors for a couple starts? Are you asking me or Adam? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm asking you, Scott. Okay. I, I am. Yeah. I, the fact that they're kind of saying, okay, rehab assignment over. You're now assigned to AAA. He might only be a starter two away from being ready. He just struck out seven and three innings in the, in the last rehab start, right? It seems like he's progressing quicker than after that first injury. And it was only a month where he was sidelined with the lat issue. So, yeah, I think, I think he might be a fixture for all of September in the, in the A's rotation. People want to uh, monitor and uh, maybe do a pickup. Austin Riley, he paid a visit to Dr. James Andrews after being diagnosed last week with, with a partially torn LCL in his right knee. But return in September is now likely. I'm not sure if anybody cares at this point with how his performance was, but it's still out there. Ramon Lariano has been taking some swings. He's not yet been uh, cleared for running. He's been out since July 31st, probably a couple weeks away. So that actually would be. And do you guys have interest in Ramon Lariano if everybody kind of cut yeah, bait on him? Yeah. If he comes back in September. Yeah. Absolutely, with the way he was hitting. Yeah, that was a great yeah. call by Heath. Maybe one of the best calls Heath made this year, um, telling us to pick him up when I was kind of skeptical. And I don't think Heath envisioned Loriano being this good, but, yep, worth a worth a stash. Yeah, and I think it's no question, like, if he's back, he's going to be great. It's just a question, will he get back in time to help everybody out? For all of us that play in playoff leagues, there's going to be a big benefit. Maybe some of the else uh, juice worth the squeeze, not so sure. Uh, Rays manager Kevin Cash said that Tommy Pham could return to the starting lineup on Wednesday. He's been trying to avoid the IL. This is a bit of good news. Kluber's rehab outing he had on Tuesday for AA Akron. He went four innings through 60 pitches. He allowed a run on six hits, and he struck out six 
Scott, uh, uh, happyometer, Scott, on uh, Corey Kluber's rehab that's outing. A ten. I mean, that's a t- like my per- my whole in season strategy this year has been try to get another ace. So if you can do that, just by stashing a guy, uh, I, you know, he wasn't he wasn't good in April, but a lot of aces weren't. I don't think there's any reason to assume Kluber is not no longer an ace based on that. And I think you should be very excited that he's coming back. By the way, the fam issue, I. The latest today is that he actually has a broken bone in that hand, and he's kind of being a madman and trying to play through it. I'm not confident that's going to work out for him. Apparently, baseball players are the toughest athletes on the planet because they're rupturing things in their body. They're breaking (laughs) bones in their plane. They've become hockey players. They're no longer the guys that drop a tile on their feet in the shower and miss (laughs) half of a season. They're amazing now. A um, couple other notes here. Clayton Kershaw, it was pushed to tomorrow, his start. Dustin May started, uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday. Philly hired Charlie Manuel to be their heading, heading coach. We'll see what that does. John Gray was scratched with ankle soreness. This one hit home uh, for me as an Arizona Diamondback fan. Tori Lovello on Archie Bradley being the Arizona closer says, quote, I don't want to put an extra title on him. He's going to get the ball at the back end. He's in a good spot. I had Archie Bradley on every one of my teams this year. I my teams essentially did what he was doing in his pants, which is famous for now. But now he's a closer. Adam, do he's you have how confident are you in Archie Bradley for the rest of this year? Pretty confident. You know, he's finally pitching pretty well. Like Tori Lavella wouldn't say he's the closer, but he's definitely the closer. It was a weird, <laughs> it was a weird quote. <laughs> yeah, well, I always thought Jan Lopez would be the guy. Uh, Brandon Lau is going to begin a rehab assignment on Thursday, and Nathan Eovaldi is likely to return to the Boston rotation. But he pitched in relief today, and that yeah. uh, right. be a good sign. He, we like, we want Evaldi back. Nah, he was going to start. Evaldi was going to start tomorrow, or Wednesday. He was going to start today, as you listen to this. But he did get used in the bullpen, so he'll be a starter mm. at some point. He he had uh, I think like a six ERA as a starter earlier this year, but coming off a good year last year, wasn't right earlier this season. Uh, I don't know, Scott. I have minimal interest in Evaldi. Yeah, I mean he's got to get stretched out on the fly which is going to be an issue in terms of his relevance. And the upside is only so high anyway. So I, I kind of agree with you. Double dongs. We had multiple double dongs on Tuesday. Thank you. Will Smith, catcher with the Dodgers, hit his eighth and ninth. Tom Murphy, bunch of catchers in here, with the Mariners, hit his 11th and 12th. And Kyle Seeger hit his 13th and 14th. And we had multiple Seeger bombs, as Corey Seeger also hit one. Uh, Will Smith... Tom oh, Murphy. Kyle Seeger had three home runs, right? Oh, did he hit a third? Yeah, he ended up with three. Triple wow. dongs. Triple, Triple dong to Kyle double dongs. Kyle Seeger of all people. What a gift. The gift that keeps on giving. Uh, Will Smith, Tom Murphy, Kyle Seeger. If you had to pick your biggest interest, Scott, oh, I feel like you're going to say Will Smith, even though there's oh, triple yeah. dongs from Seeger. Clearly Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd, little interest in Seeger, even though he's been on kind of a power bench here but how will many smith will smith is, songs have been thrown at you that you haven't gotten all of them i think <laughs> i know all the reference to will smith songs i think there, there's probably so you don't know desperado but you know will smith songs i mean he knows wild wild west but not Desperado. i've obviously heard okay. of desperado okay 
Oh, uh, have you? Because I, I don't. I'm, your, I'm not convinced. Of it didn't ring a bell for me. Oh it yeah, it was it was the Welsh's fault. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. I mean, when I was like Alvarado, I mean, I thought I had the tone there. I just didn't have the words clearly. <laughs> Adam, <laughs> yeah. we were talking about Tom Murphy off air that he's starting to get some. Uh, he's starting to play some games. You know, I think he's got three straight as a catcher out there. Is you got interest in Tom Murphy? So I got to tell you, I, I, this is one that I really needed to look into. He has started four of the last five games now at catcher, and um, they, but they're lefties. Did they face a yeah. lefty today? Just Yeah, they, were, they faced Matt Boyd. He, oh, right. They were the ones hitting right, all those right, home right. runs off Matt Boyd. So that's what it is. It's still going to be a lefty-righty split. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to look at that if you're worried about Narvaez because if they have a week with a lot of lefties, Narvaez isn't going to do much for you, it seems. I, I wanted to mention, because I, I didn't get around to completing the point, 29 home runs now for Will Smith between the majors and minors this year. If any catcher had 29 home runs, we would be losing our minds. Oh, look, one does. You know, obviously, most of it came in the minors. But, like, I, I think he's in serious contention for, you know, joining the true elites at that position before... You know, you know, by the time we're drafting next year, we could be talking about him alongside Real Muto and Wilson Contreras. Like, uh, serious upside here. He, he's wild, too, because uh, there's, I mean, there's a couple other guys, like Sam Huff, who's been a catcher, first baseman with the Texas Rangers, is dropping a whole bunch of bombs as a catcher. We're seeing, we're seeing this catcher resurgence actually going on in the minor leagues right now. And uh, Will Smith surpassed uh, Kiebert Ruiz, who Kiebert Ruiz was the big guy that everybody yeah. was excited about. And uh, I saw Will Smith a couple of years ago in the Arizona Fall League, and I never would have guessed this like nice compact swing. But the Dodgers, they just do the things on all of them. Hey, staying hot, Randall Grichik, two hits on Tuesday, hit his 22nd homer. He was three for five yesterday with a home run. Teoscar Hernandez has four homers in his last five, hit one today. Franmil Reyes, my guy, we were talking about him, hits in four of his last five games, second straight game with a homer. He hit his 29th. He already talked about Castellanos. I think we also talked about Mitch Garver, who hit his 22nd three straight starts at catcher. Maybe that's what I was referring to earlier. And uh, Avon Nova, Avon Nova went six. He gave up three hits. He did not walk or strike out anybody. He's also given, uh, he's giving up only two earned run in his last four games prior. Of that list, Grichik, Teoscar Hernandez, Framo Reyes, let's go Garver and Nova. Adam, right. where's your? I, big, oh, I got. I go gotta. Ahead. I gotta interject here because this is, this is looking like an issue as we uh, tried to do this podcast with games still going on. Uh, uh, um, Nova threw a complete game. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. he is like crazy hot. Uh, so he faced the Astros today, and he threw. Did he throw a complete game shutout? No, he one unearned run for Nova in those nine innings. Oh man, mm. I could not care less. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I could not care. He has been such a bad pitcher for so long. He strikes out nobody. He struck out three Astros in nine innings. He he yeah. He is really on like an incredible run right now. And I just I have no zero leagues. I, we have a 16 team league that Scott and I are in. I wouldn't even consider him there. No way. Really? No way. Uh, Von Nova or Dallas Keuchel? Dallas Adam. Keuchel. Dallas. There we go. Got it. I'm I'm with you totally, Adam. Like this just seems great. He's put together an awesome five start stretch, in which he's averaged probably four strikeouts to start. Like when you get around to starting him, it, it he's going to crush you. It's all going yeah, to fall apart, totally. and he's going to be a ratio killer when that time comes. 
Yeah. Uh, the rotation, Jack Flaherty, we talked about him earlier, went seven, three hits, walked one, seven strikeouts. Adam, Jack Flaherty is on something. I mean, if you want to talk about guys that are improving their 2020 value on where we're going to be drafting him, Flaherty was kind of a hot option this year coming into drafts. He should be even hotter next. I Honestly, if we're drafting again today, just for the rest of the season, I'm not sure that he's not a top 10 pitcher. I mean, the six starts before this today, what was his line today for Flaherty? He went uh, seven, three hits, walked one, struck out seven. And who did he face? He fa- uh, who did he face? Let me look here. He faced the Royals. Well, okay. I'll give you the numbers, Adam. Last seven uh, starts oh. for Flaherty, five of them seven innings or more, a .79 ERA with yeah. 11.1 Ks per nine. I, he's, he's been amazing. It's, you know, Chris had him as a, as a second-half breakout. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been consistently seven innings with zero or one earned run, basically. Um, Chris Towers. Chris Towers, yeah, Chris Towers. Yeah, Uh, there's a lot of Chris, Chris, Chris emails that are out there. No, clearly not me. Uh, Zach Greinke. (laughs) Well, uh, just to to finish up, I'm sorry. Like, this is not a Nova situation, obviously. Like, this uh, this is really encouraging stuff. Yeah, and um, and I I think a, a debate in the near future of a, of a Jack Flaherty versus we can pick a few other guys would be a really good one because people should understand the elite level that he's at now. It's not like it was earlier on. Zach Greinke went six, gave up seven hits. He walked two, struck out six. This is following his last start where he gave up five, only had a couple strikeouts in that game. There's a positive. How about a concern? Maybe a little worryometer here. Four and two-thirds, 11 hits. Two walks, uh, gave up four, and only struck out six. That's Mike Clevenger, Mr. Scott White. Yay or nay on any form of worry with Clevenger? Nay. I mean, nay. Okay, that's easy enough. Nay, nay. We're horses. Nay, nay. All right, nay, nay. Um, You have got Zach Wheeler, who went five, 12 hits, only struck out two, two walks, five earned. Uh, no bueno there. And uh, let's see, some fringy starting pitchers. Let me throw it to these guys and see where you guys are at. Alex Wood, 70% owned, struck out four, went five, gave up three. Jordan Yamamoto, 65% owned, went five, gave uh, had six strikeouts. Or no, he had six straight games without a quality start, which could be a problem. Colorado and Philly coming up, by the way. Jason Vargas, who's only 46% owned, he went six. Walk three, gave up one, but he does have four out of uh, his last six as quality starts. Two more, Martin Perez or Martin Perez, 56% owned, walked four, went six, gave up six hits with three strikeouts. And Chase Anderson, 64% owned in CBS, five innings, three hits, three earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts. And before today, he had gone nine straight starts, giving up under three earned, only one he went six innings. So Yamamoto, Wood, Vargas, uh, Perez, Anderson. Who would be your pick of pick here on some fringy starting pitchers, Mr. Adam Azer? Uh, well, so Perez went six scoreless today um, mm-hmm. before walks or strikeouts. To be honest with you, the only two that I think really have upside to make a big difference are Alex Wood and Jordan Yamamoto. Wood gave up three runs, I think, fairly early in this start at Washington which is a t- real tough matchup. And uh, he came through with at least, he gave you five innings. It was not a very good start because he took the loss, but he managed to kind of make something out of it. So, I, like, I don't think any of these guys are must-owns. Yamamoto, like, he's kind of flirting with good starts, but not quite getting there. Now it's mm. seven straight non-quality starts, I think, for Yamamoto. 
and he's at Colorado this weekend, I believe, and then Philadelphia next week. So um, Yamamoto and Wood are the only ones I'd be looking at, but I don't think any of the fringy starting pitchers that went tonight that I can think of, especially this list, Wood, Yamamoto, Vargas, Martin Perez, and Chase Anderson, none of them are like exciting. Not, certainly none are must-own. Yeah, I, I'd pretty much just re- reduce it to Wood that I'm interested in. And it's, you know, it, what what started off as an encouraging return has suddenly gone sour here the past couple starts, and for some reason he's giving up a ton of home runs. Uh, I can't find the exact number now, but it's it's a ton of home runs through these first six six home runs in nineteen and a third innings, uh, which is horrible and not really his mo. He's a good ground ball pitcher. Like limiting walks and home runs are going to be his strengths, and I think they still can be. It's just hard to tell with this sample. I am curious, though, Chris, Yamamoto, um, where do you stand with him? Because he was never a highly regarded prospect. He had some really impressive statistical seasons. But, like, seeing him here in the... Like, the most interesting thing I can say about him is he seems to have a lot of pitches. Yeah. I'm not sure that really is enough to, to, to set him apart at this level. Yeah, I saw him. I actually saw him pitch the AFL championship game. He was the winning pitcher in the AFL championship game, and he looked fantastic. Um, but he was able to use what I kind of deemed as like fringe stuff with decent command. He found his command a little bit. It was almost like Zach Allen, to be honest with you. I was never a big Zach Allen guy, and Yamamoto kind of uh, he kind of exhibited some of those things. I think he's one of those guys that you know, as the league sees his solid but not elite stuff he's going to get hit up more i've never thought he was more than like an sp4 and i mean coming into this year i'm i actually probably would have had yamamoto above zach gallon that's how i yeah. thought about them well, i don't i don't know that gallon like gallon just kind of blew up this year right I he mean, did he wasn't he wasn't much of anything before this year yeah oh well, his elite elite command speaking of which i've got a segment called the utes the utes i got three starting pitchers here zach gallon is one of them he went four gave up nine hits Walked one, three strikeouts. He went 90 pitches. He had only given up two earned runs in his last three starts, and he went seven innings in both of those. Dustin May, who got the start for uh, Clayton Kershaw today on Tuesday, five and two-thirds. He walked one, struck out five. Joe Ross had a really good game uh, as far as, I mean, I guess not on a strikeout perspective, but it looked good. Six and two-thirds, five hits. He gave up two walks, or he had uh, two walks, three strikeouts. Zach Allen, Dustin May, Joe Ross. Let's start with you, Scott. You have to pick one rest of season. It's Gallon, and he is among those 15 pitchers that I mentioned. There are some innings concerns. In his case, I don't think it's so obvious he's going to get shut down, but if the Diamondbacks fall out of the wild card hunt, they may just, for prudence sake, uh, pull the plug on him. No interest in Joe Ross whatsoever. So Adam, it's Gallon, do you like May, any of them and Ross a distant third. And you two like uh, Yeah, well, May is pretty interesting. I mean, Dustin May at Miami, five and two-thirds, three hits, one run. And he has had struggles in the sixth inning every single start. So I think this was the first time he gave up an earned run before the sixth inning. But, I mean, I'm just kind of interested to see where that goes because so far, so good for Dustin May. I, I think he's kind of approaching must-own territory. Like, I'd rather have Dustin May than any of Alex Wood or Yamamoto or Vargas or Perez or Chase Anderson, right? Get a guy with some upside. I would rather have Gallon. The fact that he gave up nine hits and two runs with three strikeouts, it was at Coors Field, so I 
never had any thoughts of starting Zach Allen in this start, and I don't care about the result at Coors Field. But May is interesting and encouraging, but can he get through the order three times? Also, uh, at the beginning of the game, he'd only made two starts going into this game at Miami. They mentioned on the broadcast that lefties had been destroying Dustin May. So that's another thing we have to keep an eye on. So I would say if you have May and you've been happy, hang on to him, but do not look at him as a fixture in your rotation going forward. You can't assume that because there are two issues, the lefty issue and the third time through the order issue that we have to see how those play out. I need and to add, is- I need to add, uh, well, we're going to get to the bullpen, right? So um, I just need to add uh, that kind of interesting Sergio Romo got a save today. Taylor Rogers probably should have been available. He pitched on, uh, well, he threw, he got crushed on the 11th, and that was that was two days ago uh, from, you know, from yesterday. So I uh, just needed to throw that out there that Ken Giles got a save. He's, he pitched that it was a good sign, but also Romo got one for the uh, Twins, which I thought was interesting. That's going to happen on these night shows, you know, like, the complete game shut. The complete game thing for Nova. Like, there's just going to be some things that we noticed during the show, and that was one thing I noticed. Yeah, uh, I'd also add to Dustin May. Not only the best stuff of all those guys, best uh, nickname. I've never heard you guys use it ah, yet. Yes. That doesn't mean you haven't. Ginger Guard. Yeah, the Ginger Guard, so. and he is also so skinny. Yeah, I was watching him today. That like, I'm sorry to say, like, that's not an insult, but he just looks like Carrot Top. Like, if just I'm like cool. if Carrot Top were, <laughs> and Carrot Top's like ripped, but before Carrot Top was ripped. I feel like just like a really skinny, lanky, very, very redhead. It looks like Carrot Top is pitching for the <laughs> But guy. nobody likes the skinny guys who get big anymore. Like, who likes Dave Chappelle as much as they used to? Who, I mean, not is that you ever now? liked uh, He's Carrot Head. Uh, what the what? He's well, big, Dave Chappelle? Like Carrot Head, obviously. Carrot Top. Is, <laughs> his name is Carrot Top. <laughs> Oh, no. All right. So I'm just I'm telling Gingergard to keep his size. A couple other Utes here. And then uh, I got one over uh, over owned. I want to ask you guys and then we'll do a quick few emails. Travis Demerit, two hits tonight. Also got his third stolen base on a seven game hitting streak. Randy. What? How do we say? Azorena. Arosarena. Arosarena. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Rosarena. I did not start. And they had a D.H. But Josh Rojas with the Diamondbacks, he started again. He was in right field this time, uh, caught stealing. I'd have to go back and look. But a couple of those updates on the Utes. Um, Travis Demerit or Josh Rojas, Scott, rest of the season? Rojas. I, I feel like Rojas has shown clearer potential in the minors and has fewer weaknesses. Uh, Demerit's always had big-time strikeout problems. And he's strike getting out more than 30% of the time so far with the Tigers. That being said, I have a strange fondness for Demerit. I think in part just because nobody's really gravitated toward him yet. Um, so we don't have to have like a sell-high discussion with him. It's scarcely owned. But he's running, you know, obviously it's 12 games, but he's run some <laughs> more than I expected. He's gotten extra base hits apart from the home runs. He's walked a lot. I'm I'm kind of interested in him. I've, I've been starting him in a 2014 points league, and I haven't regretted it so far. And Rojas did get a hit uh, on Tuesday night, so it's hitting 429. Over-owned, Lorenzo Cain, 85% owned on CBS. He doesn't have an extra base hit in August. Went 0 for 5 on Tuesday. Adam Azer, is Lorenzo Cain over-owned? Extremely. Yep. I dropped him in a 14-team, three-outfielder league. I don't even remember who I dropped him for. Uh, I think I dropped him for Giovanni Urshela. 
It's winning time, people. Lorenzo Kane is not helping you win. He's overowned. Scott, overowned? Yep. Yep. Okay. Overowned meter. All right, perfect. Uh, a couple emails. We're gonna burn through. You guys can email fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. This one uh, I had mentioned in the last episode about players owning other players. Lance Berkman owned the Reds in 174 games against them. He had a 314 average, 52 homers, and 44 RBIs. Jeez. Uh, I know. Another that's not bad, Bill Hall always seemed to play better against the Reds. <laughs> Nearly 15% of his career homers came against the Reds. That's Tony from Indy. That's a, that's a fun stat, though. Always when describing Bill Hall's career, you're talking about like two years, right? It uh, does feel like that. Is that true? Yeah, it feels like that. It's like two years stretched into what seems like five. <laughs> I, I do you remember different from me? Differently for me, he had the 35 homer season, and that was basically. Let me look it up. I want to see. Yeah, exactly well, I feel like he just kind of loomed around for a couple more years, yeah, but it right. was like two years of production. You're right. He technically got 11 seasons in the majors, so I'm totally wrong about that. 15 yeah. percent of his homers to the Reds. Look at there that. There you go. Uh, dear Chris Scott, Chris, 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 and Scott. And Adam, I like that. I'm curious what eligibility is going to look like next year, especially for a guy like Jordan Alvarez if he keeps only DHing. I have Otani, and if Alvarez might be a DH only, it may be my best interest to trade him right now, even though I'm in second place. Any other guys have significant eligibility changes coming in 2020? What are the actual rules? Uh, This is, he says, thanks, Chris Scott. So uh, I'll ask the non-Chris Scott real quick. Adam, what do you think about that? Yeah, he is going to be DH only, I think. You need 20 games at a position to get eligibility Mm -hmm. going into next season. You only need five games to get it in season. But to get it next season, you need 20 games at a position. So Johnny Cueto is only going to be... Oh, well, is Cueto coming back as a starter? What's Cueto's eligibility going to be next year? That should be uh, a starting pitcher, shouldn't it? Unless he just comes back in the bullpen. It depends what he's coming back. Yeah, yeah. if whatever, if you don't meet the minimum threshold, it's just whatever you did the most the previous season. Right, so if, right. So he yeah. might be RP only if he pitches out if of the bullpen. If he comes back as a reliever, yeah. How uh, are you taking it, uh, Otani or Alvarez? Because he also says, uh, also for Otani, is CBS not going to let me start him as a pitcher at the beginning of 2020? I hope no, that's will. not true. They will. And and that's why there's no, like the, the way it works, for Otani at CBS, like you elect whether to use him as a pitcher or a hitter heading into your scoring period, and you only get that version of the stats. Uh, and you'll most likely use him as a pitcher anyway, just because quality pitching is so much scarcer. And I, he's proven he's that you know, before needing Tommy John surgery. I, I assume he will be again. So I don't think you really have to make a choice here because as good as Otani is as a hitter, his highest value in fantasy is probably going to be as a pitcher. And then Alvarez just looks like a monster who you don't mind clogging up your DH spot with. Don't mind at all. And making the decisions tough. Uh, dear George, Christopher, Brandon, and Henry, I got no idea. Well, you got like, to think about it. That's how the emails work here. They give us a greeting, and then you got to think about it. And then if you can't get it, one of us has to Google it while you go ahead and read the email. I'll go ahead and Google it. Okay, perfect. How do you manage a situation where you know you have a better process than the other fantasy owners? yet they succeed in spite of it. For example, I have an outstanding pitching staff consisting of Kershaw, uh, Flaherty, Caleb Smith, Wheeler, Corbin, uh, Paddock, and Woodruff, yet the third-place team actually has a lower ERA than me and has been sporting Fires, Chase Anderson, Miley, and Tehran all year. I cringe every time Fires has a good outing. It makes (laughs) me so mad. Any tips on how to deal with this, Kyle? 
How about you, Scott? To deal with it? I mean, I mean, just y- you may have the last laugh yet, right? I'm, I'm not sure if this is a head-to-head league where playoffs or, if, you know, you only the only the team who's in first place counts at the end. Um, yeah, I, I think you trust the process. And it, it this seems like a perfect combination of pitchers overachieving that this one owner has. Like, it, it's like the greatest hits of pitchers who seem due for a massive downturn. So I wouldn't stress about it so much. I mean, your take team is better. Yeah. yeah, take a take a deep breath. Count count your eggs at the end of the season. That's not a saying, but I'm making it. <laughs> count sure. them in a basket like, at the end of the season. Uh, I think those were the Tudors. What are the Tudors? Jo- the, like the dynasty, the Tudor dynasty, the English oh. dynasty. Yeah. Oh, well, you're assuming I'm like super educated. So was that like a mini series? Oh, the Welsh. I would never assume that about you. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a the Tudors was a mini. It was on TV. Yeah. You should know. Oh, it. the HBO series. Well, that's right? why. Like, it's you know, kind of a cultural touchstone or whatever. I guess none of us watched it clearly. I did. I get used most of my history from HBO and television, and <laughs> I did not catch that one. Yeah. So, no, uh, I was learning about like a uh, second. I learned on HBO too, like a uh, second century history with those dragons and uh, those white. Walkers and stuff, yeah. really, yeah, fascinating yeah. I mean, stuff. I wrote a thesis on it. Cultural thing in our lifetime, Adam. Uh, well, Game of Thrones. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta realize. I mean, back in the day, I also learned that uh, Deadwood was a real place, and part of the characters were not real, but most of them were. Most of so them were. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It was that was interesting. Hey, but. listen, I didn't. We're gonna end the show. I, I didn't get a chance to say this yet, um, and it's an hour and five minutes in, so I don't know if anybody's listening, but uh, people told me to watch Euphoria. I'm gonna say this on the football podcast as well. Uh, Euphoria is the first episode, the pilot episode, was the biggest piece of crap. It, <laughs> I hated every second of it. It was uh, exploitative. It was wrong. It was borderline offensive. It was terrible. It was garbage. It was childish. It was one of my, the worst episodes of any show I've ever seen. The worst episode of any show I've ever seen is Brian and Stewie trapped in a bank vault on Family Guy. This was just worse than that. I absolutely hated everything about Euphoria. And for all the people saying it's the best show on TV, I'm not even going to give it a second look because it was just dreadful, that pilot episode. Okay, thank you. That's a great sell. I'm in. I'm sold. I'll uh, I'll check it out as soon as <laughs> I possibly can. I just know Mary Jane is in it or MJ from Spider-Man and she does a bunch of horrible things. So haven't watched it. Don't want to be that depressed. That is the show. We got more emails. We'll hit them back uh, tomorrow. Thank you, everybody, for sending in those emails. And you can do it fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in. Thank you both for having me on the episode. That is that amazing. You're, you're on Scott the, White. you don't have to thank us. You're on the show. Well, but I'm thanking you guys. And I'm <laughs> okay. here. Thank you for having me here to Adam Azer and your wonderful. Stop Euphoria trying take. to ruin the outro again, <laughs> Adam. He was doing fine. God, oh, go ahead. Go. Go. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.